Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So when it looks like you are alone and in a place of darkness, actually that's the peak of the day. It's the peak of the day when his light is upon you, when his glory is upon you. This is why the scripture says, happy are ye. Happy are ye when it looks like all hope is lost. Happy are ye. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. We appreciate you so very much for tuning in today, whether you're joining us on the YouTube or whether you're joining us by way of Roku or podcast, radio, however you're listening or watching right now, we want to let you guys know that we are definitely praying for you. And remember, uh, we're still looking for 500 persons that will sow a seed of $100 or more. Actually, that number's a lot lower now. I'm thankful, thankful to Jesus that it is. And I'm thankful for all of you that have been giving faithfully into the ministry. Thank you guys so much for letting the Lord use you. Your giving, that's right, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Your giving is helping us to reach lives all around the world. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing it. Now, in the month of December and into January, those that will be sowing a seed of $100 or more into the media program, I've got something for you. I've got something for you. I've got The Sweet Spot. The Sweet Spot by Leslie V. This is a very powerful book. I'm telling you, a very powerful book. Uh, I want to share this book with you when you give your gift of $100 or more, The Sweet Spot. Uh, this is going to help you uh, get out of your rut. And I want to say some reason, get out of your gut, but that doesn't sound right. But this will help you get out of the rut in life and get into your purpose and walk in your purpose in life. This is a very powerful book. I read it. I read it all the way through, beginning to end, and I know that you're going to richly enjoy that. So when you give your gift of $100 or more, you get the sweet spot. Now I feel like a commercial, but that's not all. I want to also give you, praise the Lord, two other books. This is Marriage Reloaded. Yes, by James and Trefina Richardson. The title says it all, Marriage Reloaded. You're going to have a stronger marriage when you uh, read this book and really get into here, they gave you some good, uh, wonderful testimonies uh, that some's going to make you laugh, some's going to make you cry, and some's going to make you go like, what? I'm telling you, it's a very powerful book. And you'll also get the workbook as well. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. So I know all three of these are going to richly bless you. So when you go to our website at kingdomrock.org and you give your gift of $100 or more toward our media department and make sure we get your address really good. Put that in there so we know where to send it. You're going to get these three books. It's going to be powerful and it's going to bless you richly. Hooray, Jesus. And uh, it's just going to be awesome. So thank you guys so much for uh, supporting the work of Jesus Christ here at Kingdom Rock. Amen. Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center and the Kingdom Rock Network. Yay. All right. So ready to get into the word of God for today. And thank you so much for your giving. 
All right, today we're going to continue in the message that we were in, feels like about a month ago, Todd. But the message was entitled, I Can't Let You Go. So we're going to continue in that. We're going to go back to uh, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. We're going to take our time today. Because it was a little while ago, and uh, so I'm going to, uh, because of that, I'm going to recap just a little bit, and then we're going to go a little bit further on. Because there are some powerful keys here that you're going to need to have in these last days. Some powerful keys that's going to help you to overcome in life. So listen, listen, listen. All right, so 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. We're going to start here again in verse number 8. Now, I will title today. Now, get ready for this. Get ready for this title. Get ready for the title. Don't want to offend anybody, but here's the title. Tell Hell no. Tell hell no. That's how I got it. That's how I'm giving it to you. You'll see it how we, you'll see it um, as we go on. Now, this is what I heard the Lord tell me as well. To tell you to stop letting the enemy bully you. Stop letting the devil bully you. You walk by faith and not by sight. You're going to have to tell hell no. Now, we're not cussing the online community. But there are some confessions that you're going to have to make and stop being bullied around. Let's go back now. Let's go to uh, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, 2 Kings 4. Let's look at uh, verse number 8, and this really starts it all here. And it says, And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was, a, uh, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Verse 9, And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passes by us continually. We talked a lot about that, about the constraining. Come on, I can't let you go. You're going to have to stay with me. You're going to have to stay with me. And about her ability to discern that this was a true man of God, a true holy man of God. The word holy says it all. She could have said, I discern that this is a man of God, but she said that this is a holy man of God because there are a lot of preachers. But not every preacher is holy. Not every preacher is called of God. Not every preacher is sent. Some just went. Hallelujah. She said, I perceive, honey, we got the real deal. And when you find the real deal, she makes an investment here. Let's look at verse number 10. She says, let us make a little chamber. That is, she's going to make an upper room. A room. She says, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. She'll, he'll come on in because, you know, in Bible times there was no Ramada Inn, no hotel, this and that and other. So you had to stay with somebody, which is not a bad idea. Praise the Lord. So she said, let's make him a place. Let's make an upper room. And when he comes by this way, we'll feed him. And he'll have somewhere to lay down and rest and 
He'll have somewhere to study the word. He'll have somewhere uh, to write down what the Lord is telling him. Let's make a place for God in our home. We talked about the last time. Let's make a place where the spirit of God can dwell. So remember the word from even the last time was make a place where you regularly meet with God. This was an upper room, a room that was a little bit higher than their house. Make a place where you can commune with the Spirit of God, whether that's in your closet, whether that's in your favorite chair, whether that's in your car. It's a regular place where you meet with God. Preferably, let it be a place in your house, somewhere in your house where you meet with God. Because in that place, the aroma, the sweet aroma from that place will saturate the rest of the house when you invite the presence of the Lord in. Make a place for him. That's what they did. They made a place for the Spirit of God. Verse 11, and it fell on the day that uh, he came thither, and he turned into the chamber, and he lay there, rested. We want the presence of the Lord to rest in your home. Remember we talked about how the prophet of God represented the presence of God. Because the spirit of the Lord was upon him. So the spirit, as the man is resting, the the spirit is resting, or rather should I say, because the spirit is resting, the man can have rest. So they made this woman here from Shunem, her and her husband, made a place for the spirit of God to rest in their home. We talked a lot about that in part number one. Uh, Make sure you hear that. And so in verse 11, he lay there and he rested. Verse 12. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said, un, and he said uh, unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for, for us with all this care. You, you've done a lot. You've done a lot for us. You've done a lot. You've been careful with us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Remember that question. What is to be done for thee? Uh, Wouldst thou be spoken for uh, to the king or to the captain of the the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. I'm good. And that was the end of that conversation at that moment. Verse 14. Again, this is 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, verse 14. It says, and he said, uh, as he's talking to Gehazi, uh, he said, what then is to be done for her? This is the second time that phrase is used. What is to be done for her? Because her giving has created a divine pressure in the spirit. Something has to be done. What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily, uh, she have no child and her husband is old. And he said, call her. And when he had uh, called her, she stood in the door. And he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaiden. Don't get my hopes up if God ain't saying this. Don't try to tickle me with your fancy words. You better know God is saying this to you. I buried that desire a long time ago. You better make sure this is God. Say, nay, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. And it says here in verse number 17, and the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha, 
had said unto her according to the time of life. Verse 18. Now, we stopped at 17 last time. It was a wonderful miracle that the Lord had graced this, this woman and her husband with a son. Awesome. Awesome. He removed the reproach, the curse from her house. She had a son. Miraculous. But that's not, the old, that's not all of the story. So we're going to take up here in verse number 18. We're going to go further. Verse 18. Now, let me tell you this before we go there. Uh, the rest of this account you find that it talks a lot about Jesus. It talks a lot about you in Christ. It talks a lot about the favor of God, the power of God. It talks about the authority of God. It talks about you moving in the supernatural and what the Lord will do through you and with you during turbulent times. So this is a very prophetic word that the Father is ushering out through his spirit that we not only have to hear or adhere to, but let it get in us and produce a, a harvest, some 30, 60, some 100 fold. So listen very closely here. Verse 18 says, and when the child was grown, now this word grown talks about uh, being weaned. When the child was weaned, this was not a grown man here. Best estimates, this child was between four and six years old. When the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. So this little boy, between four and six years old, going out, maybe toddler or young child, dad is out in the field working with the reapers, with the harvesters. Obviously, some uh, plants, them, some food has been planted, and time has passed, and now it's time to go get the harvest. Dad is out there with the harvesters, with the reapers. Little boy, Daddy, Daddy, I want to help you. He comes out working with Daddy. Isn't that wonderful? Daddy's showing him how to do things, how to be a man. And so while he's out with the reapers, now understand the significance of the word reaper because the word reaper tells you really about what's going to happen in the, entire, uh, in the entirety or the rest of this, of this account. Reapers talks about, um, it talks about uh, harvesters or those who will first witness the flourishion or the true nature of what has been planted. Those who will be the first witnesses, the harvesters, those who will be the first witnesses of the true nature of what has been planted. In other words, if they planted corn or whatever, or planted beans or what have you, whatever's down there, they're the first ones to pull it up and see it. They're the first ones to pull it off the tree, the reapers, the harvesters. They're the ones who will be the first to witness the true nature of what has been planted. Are you with me? So, this is the time of revealing. Something has been planted and has been birthed and is about to be revealed. The true nature of this thing. This promise was planted in this woman. It grew. And now here's a time and it was birthed. And now it was a time of revealing. It wasn't just about the child, it was about the mother, it was about the father, it was about Elisha, it was about Gehazi, and it's about you, because God's about to do something in you that you must be prepared for. 
You must be prepared for this next move of God. You must be prepared for this next season. This is a time of revealing. Verse 19, he says here, and he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. Verse 20, and when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Tragedy strikes. Then died. Remember, I told you today's title is Tell Hell No. He died on her knees. Now, on her knees talks about the place of conception. It talks about the place of birthing. And here it also talks about the place of death. Because you remember, um, even there in the Old Testament, when, when um, a mistress or that is the, the woman of the house, if she could not conceive, she had a handmaiden. And oftentimes, the, the woman of the house would, would tell her husband to go in unto her handmaiden so that she could have seed through the handmaiden. And when that time of birthing happened, the mistress of the house would be reclined in some sort of chair just above uh, the woman that was giving birth. And the woman that was giving birth would be between her knees. So that when the baby came out, it's like she was pushing the baby out. And so the birthing happened between her knees. On her knees, the Bible says that this child died. He died on her knees in the place of conception, birthing, and now the place of death. On her knees also talks about really a position of prayer. When battles are won or they can be lost in prayer. They can be won or they can be lost through your confession, what you say, in prayer. He died on her knees. He, this child, was a promise that God gave to her. One that she had long since buried and thought that would never come to pass. This was a promise that died on her knees. Now remember, now here's another key thing. You can make a note of this. When did this death occur? Let's look at this scripture again, verse number 20. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and he died. Noon is highly symbolic and it's significant. Because at noon, the sun, S-U-N, is at its highest peak of the day. It's at, it's, uh, it's at the point where it's right above you. It's highest, it's strongest, it's hottest at noonday. Where the light shines down upon you. You really know it if you're outside in the field somewhere. If you're outside doing something. It's hottest, it's highest, and the sun, the rays of the sun is really cascading upon you. So this is actually a scriptural reference in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, 1 Peter 4, verse 14, the Bible says that if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. That is, if you're going through a trial, a, a troubling situation, if you're being persecuted for Christ, 
Happy are you. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. The light of heaven is shining upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So when you're going through this trial, this situation, this hard time, in her case, the death of her son at noon, know of a surety that the S-O-N, Jesus Christ, is at his highest peak right over your life and that maximum glory is shining down upon you. His spirit is shining down upon you. So when it looks like you are alone and in a place of darkness, actually that's the peak of the day it's the peak of the day when his light is upon you when his glory is upon you this is why the scripture says happy are ye happy are ye when it looks like all hope is lost happy are ye because it's the noon time the sun is closer to you than he was before Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Look at verse number 20 once again. And he says, And when he had taken him and brought him to her, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. Now, this is the switch. Get ready for this. This is the switch. Which will you choose? Just like a light switch, you can go one way or the other. This is the time, as we said before, of revealing. This is when you will know who and what you are. This is a time when you will either bury your promise, call the mortician, because it's now dead on your knees, or you're going to trust God to restore it. Here is the switch. Here is the moment. This is not a time to panic and allow yourself to run off with uh, your emotions. It's a time now to know who and what you are. It's a time now to tell hell, no. I've received this promise of God, and I'm going to keep this promise of God. I'm going to keep my marriage. I'm going to keep my business. I'm going to keep this ministry. The devil is not going to take this from me. Here is that point. At this moment, you have to decide two calls you can make. The funeral home, or you can make a call to the Lord and ask God to restore it. This is that point. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Matthew 16, verse number 18 and 19. You know this very familiar scripture. And he say, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell is trying to come against you. And he says, I will give unto thee, verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, notice, whatsoever thou shalt, whatsoever you shall, whatsoever you shall, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall, loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus has given you keys. But keys don't work unless you use them. We're not going to be punching bags for the devil. 
As Reverend James even said last week, the Lord used him to say last week, you don't have to receive every package that comes to your door. Return that thing back to the sender. I didn't order that. My name is not on that. Send it away. I don't have to receive doctor's report, an evil doctor's report. I don't have to receive any report from the, from the accountant or from the bank. I know what the word of God said, and I'm resting upon his word. Hallelujah. I love the way the uh, NLT um, says or, or translates verse 18. It says, now I say unto you that I say unto you that I say unto you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, church is made of individuals. You are the church. So you have to declare hell. No. You're not going to bring that mess in my home. You're not going to bring that mess in my body, in my life. You shall not prevail against me. You are not called to conquer me. I am called to conquer you. As this woman is in a critical moment, her son has just died on her knees. Two calls she could have made to the funeral director. Or call the Lord and ask him to restore it. Listen to this terminology here, even in Psalm 91, verse 13. Psalm 91, verse 13. Somebody's going to get this. He says, thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Notice it says, thou shalt, you shall. You shall tread upon the lion and adder the young lion and dragon shall you shall you trample under feet it's something that you have to actively do we make the mistake very often by saying lord this is all up to you now and i'm going to go and do my thing somewhere else or or putting or or giving your request to somebody else let them do your prayers no you will do it he gave you the keys. You have to be active in this. The Lord picks up this same uh, sentiment or the same notion here in Luke, the 10th chapter, Luke 10, 19. You know this is very well. Luke 10, 19. Look and listen to what it says here. Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I give unto you power to what? Tread. You will tread. You will stomp on your adversary. You will do it. He says, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, I love that word all, all the power of the enemy and nothing, no thing shall uh, by any means hurt you. You will tread, you will no longer be bullied by the devil. Turn to name and tell him, you got to stop letting the devil bully you. Look at uh, Mark, Mark 16. Let's go back to Mark 16, verse 17 and 18 in the Great Commission. The Lord says here, Mark 16, verse 17. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Do you see what we're saying here? There's a work that you 
are going to have to do. You're going to have to be active in doing the work. Jesus said, I gave you the keys, but you have to put it in the lock and turn it and open the door. There's a work that you're going to have to do. You can either, again, you can either panic, be fearful in that moment, or you can tell hell no. No more of this foolishness. You're not going to bring that mess in my house. No more foolishness. No more foolishness. You're not going to bully me anymore. No more foolishness. Are you hearing me? Now, what did she do? Let's see what she did. Verse 21. And she went up and laid him on the bed of a man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. She chose to call upon the Lord and not the mortician, not to make funeral plans. She put him on his bed. Now understand what's happening here. This is, very, this is another very prophetic picture. As she laid him on the man of God's bed, she was saying, this is no longer my problem, this is your problem. I'm transferring ownership of this problem to you. She was also saying, man of God, you're not going to rest in this bed until you solve this problem. You're not going to sleep in this bed until you solve this problem. This problem is yours. You're going to have to deal with it. She's saying also, we're saying in the presence of the Lord today, when you go into your prayer closet, you leave your prayer with the Lord. You leave it with him. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm transferring this to you. And when you leave out of that place, you're going to do what she did. It is well, it is well, it is well, it is well, it is well. Declaring the rich word of God. Thank you, Lord, for healing Thank you, Lord, for delivering. Thank you, Lord, for restoring. Because your praise is a witness of your faith. Your praise is a witness. I believe the Lord, so therefore I will praise him. Are you hearing? She laid him on the bed. The bed that she built for the presence of the Lord to dwell. Remember, before this thing happened, she continued to make regular investments. She continued to feed the men of God. She continued to house them. She was building relationships with them. Regular investments. She was preparing, whether she knew it or not. She was preparing. She was storing up for the evil day to come. And many of us go through evil days, but we have not prepared for them. We have not stored up. Therefore, we have to go run to this person. We have to go run to that person. We have to call this church. We have to call this because we have nothing stored up. The evil day shows up, and then we go, we're going to try to try to pray then. We're going to try to pray then, but try to pray then. But unless you have something stored up, unless you have some extra, you're going to hardly make it through. This room, again, is also her, uh, the, the place of prayer. This is her prayer room, so to speak. And she laid it there and left it there in prayer, leaving her problem with the Lord. Now, unless you are prepared for this moment, you're going to be overwhelmed. This moment happened suddenly. No notice. 
she's sitting at home somewhere. And they brought the little boy in. The little boy was probably holding his head, complaining. Mama tried to soothe him the best she could. And in a moment, he died. Unless you had something stored up, you're going to be overwhelmed. Let's look at this. We can look at this example. There's several examples we can give you. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, as it talks about the five foolish and five wise virgins. Five foolish did not take extra oil, but the five wise did take extra oil. They prepared. In Matthew, Matthew the 7th chapter, the Lord talks about those who hear his word. If you hear his word and do it, you're like a man who built his house upon a rock. He prepared. It is foolish to assume that a storm is not going to come. It is foolish. We're on our way to heaven. Yes, we're on our way to glory. Yes, but you're still living here on the earth. And you've got to store up. I even love what Prophet Hudson said. Your confession will find you. Your words will find you. Your words will find you. Whatever you put out, it's going to find you. It's going to circle back. Because that is the nature. That is our nature. We were formed in the image and and likeness of our Father. Our Father is a speaking spirit. And his word will not return unto him void. But it will accomplish that thing that he sent it forth to do. So will your words as well. Either your words are negative or positive. Are they filled with faith or they're filled with doubt and confusion. What comes out will return. It won't return to you void. It will accomplish and it will come right back to you. Your words will find you. Your words will track you down we'll track you down so we can't just sit here and admire this young lady thank God that she made the right choice we've got to take heed to it make regular investments make regular investments in the word and in prayer and in confession storing up for that day being ready for that day are you hearing Look at verse number 22. We're going to go on. And she called unto her husband and said, after she put the child, of course, in the bed, she went, closed the door. That place, that room became a temporary tomb. It was now a tomb. She called her husband and said, send me, I pray thee, one of the the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. He said, wherefore wilt thou go to him uh, today? It is neither a new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. It's well. Listen to this confession. After she left the problem in the presence of the Lord, she's not panicking. She's declaring what God said, declaring the word. It shall be well. It shall be well. It's well. Verse 24. And she, rather, then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. Don't you slow down. 
We got to get there. Verse 25. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel, which was a very powerful thing as well. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, and, uh, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with, thy, with, the, with the child? And she answered, It is well. It is well. Same confession. She's not getting away from it. It is well. In the natural woman, you're crazy. Your son just died. It is well. She's speaking by faith and not by sight. She knows in whom she has believed. She knows where this blessing came from. It is well. It is well. She's telling hell, no, it is well. You're not going to have my son. You're not going to have my family. You're not going to have my grandchild. Hell, no. I'm not settling for that. She answered, it is well. Verse 27. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him at his feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. She goes right to the source. The man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is vexed within her. And the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? She's giving him the what, what now. Didn't I tell you there would be consequences for trying to deceive me? I told you, nay, man of God, don't deceive me. Don't bring up stuff in my life, things that I put away, things that I've let go. I've been disappointed too long. I let it go. I told you don't deceive me. Your words better be real. She goes right back to the source, right back to the man of God. The man goes right, and the man of God goes right to the Lord. Hey, hey. Oh, let's look at this. He said, didn't I tell you don't deceive me? Verse 29. And then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins. Put your big boy pants on now, son. Yes, sir. Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. Don't you say anything to them. And if, thy, if, and if any salute thee, answer him not again. Ignore everybody and lay my staff upon the face of the child. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. Lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother and the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. Because Elisha understands this, her lingo, her saying, because it's the same thing that he said to Elijah before Elijah was taken up. As thy soul 
soul liveth, I shall not leave thee because there's something that I have to have and it's going to come through you. So I'm not leaving until I receive my word from the Lord. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay on my confession. It is well. It is well. I cannot let you go. I will not let you go. I found the anointing. I found the presence of the Lord. And I'm not leaving your side. And look at verse number, uh, verse number um, 30 again. Verse 30 says, and the mother of the child, uh, oh, wait, wait, let's go back. Yeah, mother of the child. I said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. Verse 31. And Gehazi passed on before them. Somebody said, hey, Gehazi. Hey, Gehazi, you come for dinner? Verse 31. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff. He laid the staff. He laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore, he went again and met him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. Is not awaked. The child won't wake up. Now, the staff represents... Uh, it represents the law. It represents, it represents the, the word given unto the prophet. It represents power. It represents authority. It's God's plumb line in many cases because it's a measuring staff as well. How you, it shows you how you measure up, whether right or wrong. It reveals righteousness or reveals sin. Now, here's another word for you. You're not going to raise the dead by telling them how bad they are. You're not going to get anyone saved by telling them you are a sinner and you are going to hell. The knowledge of sin alone won't save them. You're going to have to accompany that with grace. Because the law alone won't get the job done. But the law with grace will win a soul. Are you hearing? Bless you. Bless you. Look at verse 32. And when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. You got that right. This is your problem. You got to fix this. Verse 33. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them, twin, uh, upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. So he's in room now with the dead child. She's done her job. The spirit is now with the child, was now with the promise, is now with the problem. She's done her job. She's interceded. She's done her job. And now she's waiting on the manifestation of who God is. Verse 34. And he went up. Notice it says, and he went up. So the bed is a little bit higher. He's in the room, but the bed's a little bit higher. He went up and lay upon the child 
and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. This is the process of life. The process of life continues here because now I want you to understand something. If you want something to be brought back to life, understand this pattern. The pattern is first showing you the error in life, the staff. The second pattern is when you begin to say what he says, his mouth to your mouth, you are saying what he says. Your his eyes to your eyes, you are seeing what he is seeing. His hands to your hands, you are now doing what he is doing. When you say what he's saying, see what he's saying, and do what he does, then he stretches forth, stretches forth his body upon your body. This is what Jesus did for us. Because at this moment, death is transferring from this child to the body of Elisha. This is why the child is warming up. There's a transfer. What's in the child is now coming into the body of Elisha. And as a result of it, life is beginning to spring up. A fresh fire is beginning to spring up in this dead boy, in this dead body. There's a transfer. And this is what Jesus has done for you. He took upon him your sin and my sin within himself. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5.21. The Bible says, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin that we may be made, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verses 10 through 12. And it says this, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Talking about Jesus. He hath, put, he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That's what he did. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see of the, he shall see of the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many Look at the very last verse. For he shall bear their iniquity. Look at verse 12. Therefore will I divide with, therefore will I divide him a, a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he what? Bear. He's carrying it now. He, he shall bear the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Are you with me? Now, once Jesus has taken the sin upon himself, what happens next? What does he do? And where does he go? You'll see the same picture here in verse number 35. Verse 35 says, again, back in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, verse 35 says, now this is after Elijah stretched himself upon the child, and the child's body began to grow warm. 
Right? Verse 35 says, and he returned. Return where? He left the upper room where the child was, and now he's going back down into the house, which is exactly what Jesus did. He left the cross, and then he goes down into the lower parts of the earth. He returned and walked to, and rather, and walked in the house to and fro, and then he went back up. Resurrection. What happens? Elisha took the death from the child, walked down, and walked to and fro. Jesus took our pain. He took our death. He took our calamity. He took the confusion. He took our weaknesses in himself. And he walks down. He goes down into the lower parts of the earth. And he walks among the flames of the lake of fire, burning it up, burning it up off of him. Every sin that you had that I had, every weakness that you had that I had, was then burned off of the body of Jesus. And on the third day, he rose from the grave he went back up he was resurrected the Bible says and it says here again and and rose this again verse 35 then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon the child and the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes after Jesus walked to and fro through the earth, burning up your sins, now there's no more record of your sins. That's why the Bible declares that the New Testament is far superior than the Old Testament because the Father said, I will remember your sins no more. How is that possible that God Almighty won't remember sins? Because they were burned up in the body of Jesus. They're in hell, in the lake of fire. They do not exist any longer. He took it upon himself, and then he rose from the grave. Jesus said, I'll give you a sign. They were asking him for a, a sign, a sign of his divinity, a sign that he was a Messiah. He said, there's one sign that I give you. I'll give you the sign of the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, I'm going to be in the heart of the earth, and he's going to be resurrected. Now, I love what Ephesians says here, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4, verses, uh, verse number 8 through 10, and it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. Notice again, verse 35, uh, second, second Kings, verse fourth chapter, verse 35 says, Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. The second stretching here talks about the second overshadowing. Where the Spirit of God overshadows you, overshadows your problem. And whenever God overshadows it, whatever is dead cannot remain dead. The Spirit of God overshadows this young man through the prophet Elisha. The Bible said that the child then sneezed seven times and his eyes were open. We know that a sneeze is an involuntary response to some sort of of to, uh, to some sort of irritation. Something has gotten in your nose. Something has made you sneeze. You can cough on command, 
but you cannot sneeze on command. It's an involuntary response. That means that what's happening to this young man now is not coming from the young man. It's actually God pushing something out of him. Seven means it's all complete. It's a complete cleansing. It's a complete evacuation. Whatever made the child die before is gone now. Whatever held the child down in death is gone now. This is a complete evacuation. Seven times God pushes it out. He pushed it out. He pushed it out of the life. And now this child opens his eyes. In effect, now this child is born again. He is born twice he is twice born and now he's ready to be served to the world what happens in the very next verse verse 36 verse 36 says and he called Gehazi and said call this Shunammite so he called her and when she was come in unto him he said take up thy son Woo! Take up your son. Verse 37. Then she went in and fell at his feet. Oh, my Lord. And bowed herself to the ground, not to the man, but to the God of the man. And bowed herself unto the, bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Now this son can be served to the world. And, and again, most rabbinical teaching will tell you that this son is a prophet uh, is a prophet, um, not Haggai, but uh, Habakkuk. Yes, Habakkuk, the one who said, write the vision and make it plain. He received an impartation from the Spirit of the Lord this day. And the devil knew that there was something about this child. And hell tried to invade to kill the child, to kill the word, to kill the promise. But this mother said, hell, I tell you, no. And she had already prepared a place of the presence of God in her home, a place where the presence of God can rest. And when the time came, she transferred the problem. She maintained her faith and confidence. It is well. It is well. It is well. Most asked, well, why didn't she tell her husband? Maybe her husband would have had a different reaction. Maybe her husband would have said, let's call the mortician, baby. It's over. She wasn't about to take that chance. Baby, send me, send up a car. I'm going, I'm going to the man of God. I'm going to where he is. I'm going to the anointing. Why are you going? It's not time for church. Don't worry about it. It's well. It's well. With pain in her heart, her son died in her arms. How do you go on past that? She made regular investments. She prepared a place in her home for the presence of God. So when this came, she was ready. She had extra oil. She was ready. I'm not telling you the storm won't come. I'm telling you the storm is coming. But instead of you being swept away by the storm, you're going to walk on the water. In the midst of the storm, you're going to walk on the water. 
I'm not telling you this world is going to burn. I'm telling you that you're going to walk in the midst of the fire and not even smell like smoke. The impossible will happen. God's hand upon you. When your noon happens, the spirit of God will be upon you so greatly. And you will survive the switch. And you'll speak and declare. Remember, thou shalt tread. You will speak to the devil. You will do it. Out of your mouth, you're going to see it happen. Thank God for your pastor. Thank God for your apostle. Thank God for the ministers in the church. But nobody was with her at this moment. We love people. As Reverend James talked last week about family, we love family. And family can be there for you. But there are some things you're going to have to do alone. Even the best of us can disappoint you. But Jesus won't. So I urge you, prepare a place for the Spirit. If you don't have a place in your home where you continually meet with the Lord, it's time to start. It's time to start making regular investments. And in that place, have your pad, have your pen, because God will speak to you. And as you're writing down on your notes, He's also writing on you. He is preparing you. He's not preparing you for failure. He's preparing you for massive success. Make the time. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let him bully you into saying that you're too busy. I'll do it later. I'm tired. Make the time to get with God personally individually and seek the face of God a regular time a regular place and from that place he will sanctify your entire home amen now those of you that are joining us online wherever you are from all around the world take heed to this word because the word is not just given in this house it is also given to you hear the spirit of the Lord and if today you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord, the Bible is very clear. He says, if you would believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. He says, if you repent of your sins, repent, turn from them, and turn unto the Lord, he said he'll save you. Acknowledge Christ today. Confess Jesus today. Get before him today. And he will change your life forever. This is your day for change. We thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. God bless you. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.